My good friend Al Bat and your good friend Al Bat is joining us. Hey Al, how's it going? Hey Karen, it's going great. The Jayhawks, I heard the rumor, I don't know if it's true or not, that the, the Jayhawks won the NCAAs yesterday. Oh, well, you know more than I do. <laughs> Rock, chalk, Jayhawk, whatever whatever that means. So it's a it's a nice day, really. It's a bit windy, but uh, you know, I was out. Was that yesterday, perhaps, or Sunday, in a fox? Bear- no, what day? we got a little bit of snow. Whatever day that was during the night, in a fox sparrow and a song sparrow were singing as I looked at raccoon tracks in the fresh snow, and the tracks look like tiny human handprints. They have five long digits shaped much like our forefingers and a thumb making up the front foot. And then five long digits with a more forward pointing thumb and a larger palm pad made up the back foot. But it came up to a, a, a water that I have on the ground. And it looked just like you know, like there was a, a, a infant out there walking around in the snow, and I'm I'm glad it was a raccoon instead. Uh, March was a month of melting ice, and April is a month of running water. Although it's, uh, it, if you look at some farm ditches and things, the water isn't running real fast in a lot of places. I watched a fox squirrel dig up a buried nut in the yard not long after, thanks to Gretchen Taylor. I reminded me I'd watched a nature TV episode featuring squirrels. It was delightful. The University of California at Berkeley researcher had discovered that the fox squirrels in her study remembered and located about 90% of the nuts they buried. Wow. Whether it was the original squirrel digging them up or not, who knows. But their brains grew larger during the fall to help them create a mental map of buried treasure because a fox squirrel could stockpile three to 10,000 nuts a year. And chickadees and some other birds also have that ability to grow their brain a little bit. And I just think, man, that have been so great when you're in college, you know, a test coming up, you could just grow your brain a little bit. And then as soon as the, as soon as the test was over, you could shrink it and become a knucklehead again. And life would be so perfect. Oh my, uh, my yard is hosting many common grackles and oh. I accept their ways even when it's not grackle appreciation day and I take nothing they do personally and I think that's the easiest way to get along with them. Uh, we all have like a cousin like that. You just say well that's the way he is. Uh, Tim Scott of Mankato saw some fox sparrows. Paul Kozalik of Heartland showed me a photo of a barred owl. Paul Fornberg of Allendale said, boy, lots of birds at the feeders this winter, but no pheasants. And uh, that's probably a good and bad thing, Paul. Uh, It could be bad because there just weren't any, or it could be good because the winter was not overly unkind to them, so they were getting food elsewhere. Uh, Bob Hargis, who listens from Riverton, Wyoming, said yesterday near Ocean Lake, about 10 miles from our house in Fremont County, my Wyoming wow shaking still only seen it before in Harry Potter movies the first snowy owl I'd ever seen alive in my life so that is really cool Bob so uh, Bob keeps lists so now you can add that one on there and you know we get we can strut around for a week or so when we see something (laughs) like that so Bob's a great guy and he just he uh, went on in length of how beautiful that bird was 
Uh, Kim Wilcox said for the last month or so, I've been trying to convince myself that the male goldfinches visiting our feeders were brightening up. They weren't. But today I looked out to find several of my guys sporting bright yellow feathers among the dull winter ones. Certainly a welcome sight on this gloomy gray day. I've seen some juncos and two male red poles under the feeders. First red poles I've spotted since March 23rd when there was a flock of 50 or more in the backyard. And this morning a parade of 10 turkeys strolled across the front yard before crossing the street single file. We've had turkeys in the yard before. In fact, during summer a few years ago, we had a mom bringing her youngsters to feed under our bird feeders most evenings for weeks. It was great fun to watch them from the deck, but I don't remember so many ever showing up at once. Also, a cardinal has been singing in one of our trees the past couple of mornings. What a lovely song. Uh, Tim Scott said, driving around Mankato yesterday and today, I have seen hundreds of robins feeding in grass fields or on the lawns. I have never before seen such numbers. I assume they are just moving north as it warms and the grasses unthaw. And Karen and I were talking about all the robins right before we went on the air, and they are on organized tours. Oh my gosh, there right now. are so many, and my boys notice, and they uh, notice they hang up in real high up in some trees, and other times they're just in the the crab apples. But then sometimes you'll just see them way up there. What are they doing? Scouting? Um, you know, some of them are up there, probably just yeah, looking around, and they're making some noises. Now you're not hearing. Uh, at least I'm not hearing a whole lot of singing here. I hear a lot of that, um, oh, tut, 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 that kind of sound, where, or maybe a pick, and that's sort of sounds of alarm. So they probably get up there and looking for predators and maybe looking, saying, hey, there's another tree over there with some food on it. Let's go over there and try that. That's hawthorn, you know. We like hawthorn sometimes, so we'll go over there. So, yeah, who knows what they're doing up there, and they might... You know, birds spend a lot of time just perching. I, I think mostly of our raptors, like the bald eagle, he just spends the preponderance of his life just perched and just looking at things. So, But they love crab apples. I heard from uh, Rick Mammel of Albert Lee. He said, I planted, among many things, about a year or two after we arrived here in 2007, some crab apple trees that I had ordered from the American Arbor Society as I was incrementally toss, tossing more and more sod to make wraparound gardens of mostly native plants on our property, we have had flocks of robins ravaging the tiny kind of sort of crab apples. The oh. apples are on the scale of kidney bean, and they look much like haws on hawthorn trees. I've been hoping we'd have a tremendous number of waxwings sharing in the bounty, but not yet. I'm hoping we'll have wood ducks return again to roost and raise a brood in this ducky house I built for them. So, yeah, they're uh, they're just finding what they eat. And uh, there are uh, Minnesotans and probably most of the rest of the country, we like uh, what we would say probably ornamental plantings of various kinds. I uh, The service berry, of course, is long gone, but I love service berries, and but I also love crab apples and, and hawthorns. I think they're just um, so beautiful. I love those huge thorns on hawthorns. Uh, not a tree you want to run into in the middle of the night or something, but uh, and so do robins. They just come in there, and that's, that's plenty good eating. Do you know what else has awful thorns but good berries? Is goji berry. 
Have you ever seen a little goji berry shrub? And they are just the thorniest things. I didn't know that, but I, I planted one as a little stick, and now it's three years old. And that thing's got some of the sharpest little um, pointy, sticky, thorny things, but has uh, those nice berries in the later summer. Is it G-O-J-I? It's like G-O-G-I, goji. Yeah, it's supposed to have lots of antioxidants and things like that. And they look, oh. they look like little, um, they're kind of oval long oval shape but not not too big but um yeah i they um i i just got one like a little twig at a i don't know box store or something and i thought well i'm gonna try this and i thought it was dead and it was kind of in, under a bunch of flowers but then they got these little berries they don't they aren't the best just plain but if you can put them in things like oh jellies and things and of course anything's good with sh- jellies because it's got a lot of sugar <laughs> so yeah, and I'm not familiar with that. I, boy, I learn something every day. Goji. The nice part about knowing so little. You just learn so much. See, Al, do you know what I saw yesterday that I thought was quite interesting? I was out at the lake house working outside, and there's still ice on the lake. I don't know about the lakes around you, but there's still, it's melting fast. But there was a, a, um, a speedboat out there going around. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the first boat I have um, seen or heard this year, and uh, I'm assuming they were not going on the ice parts, but um, there's plenty of place around the ice, so my first sighting of a, not a bird, but a boat. There's got to be the the first guy yeah. you know, to, to do that sort of thing. I, I always, w- I'd want to be, if I had a boat, I'd want to be like the last guy. I'd want to <laughs> make sure there's nothing out there that I could possibly hit. Yeah. I heard from uh, we heard from John from New Alm said his first sighting of the two sandhill cranes in his dad's yard, and in bonus he saw one pheasant across the street from his dad's walking by the street the same day. He does have a new phone and he will start it up one day. Yeah, he's fixing to, I guess. I think the new phone will take better photos. When I learn it more, we'll send you pics of the sandhill cranes at his dad's. So good to hear from you, John. Uh, talked to Jim Grady of Fairmont over the weekend, and I talked to him on about the Martin County Conservation Club. They will be having their nest nest house giveaway on April 9th from 10 until noon. They've been doing this for over 40 years, and they've given away many thousands of nest boxes. And they'll be wood duck boxes, tree swallow, bluebird boxes, and wren and chickadee boxes, each coming with mounting directions. And they're made from salvage materials that have been donated. There will also be some craft items for both indoors and outdoors. Uh, free will donations are accepted, but everything is free. The Martin County Conservation Club is on North Silver Lake, and the site can be reached by driving seven miles south of Fairmont on Highway 15 and taking a right on County Road 8, and it's about a mile and a quarter just past Hands, H-A-N-D-S, Park. So it's a great thing if you're uh, thinking, boy, I'd like a couple nest boxes or or a nest box. Head out there. It's from 8 to noon. I said 8 to noon. It's 10 to noon on April 9th. 10 to noon on April 9th, and thanks uh, to to Jim and all the guys, Steve, and all the ones that uh, I don't know who are working on it, but I know those two for sure, and I appreciate them more than I could ever say. Uh, Deb Peterson of Albert Lee sent Gail a photo of a bald eagle with a plastic bag 
on its legs. So, yeah, those darn things, those plastic bags. I see so many of them up in the trees now because it's so windy here. And they go up in the trees and they just snag and they... uh, they look like flowers, I guess, up there. Really kind of ugly flowers. Yeah. Uh, Brenda Katastic of St. Peter, uh, pileated woodpecker, also sent Gail a photo of that. Uh, Marion Ball of Faribault said, I wonder if the other songbirds get mad at hummingbirds for not knowing the words. I'll bet they do, Marion. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Gunnar Berg of Albert Lee said, The wood ducks arrived this morning. He lives right along water. Uh, still a handful of siskins and a solitary red pole who continues to linger, maybe has issues. My wife's sister emailed a photo of a sharp-shinned hawk about to pick up a window-kill white-throated sparrow. And I just got a note from uh, Gunner, and he said, No siskins yesterday, none this morning, 13. No red poles. I have mixed feelings about our sharp-shinned hawk. I realize we are all eventually someone's lunch, but, well, you know. <laughs> Uh, Judy Dahl of Slayton said, Today the cardinals were busy at our feeders. We have a robin that stands on the flat feeder and stares at the window. (laughs) If there are no raisins there for it, we wonder if it's the same one from last year. I recognize the look it gives us. Yeah, and it very well could be, Judy, because they are... um, creatures of habit just as we are we go to the same places and do the same things and they're the same way you notice that there's certain people and everybody i'm sure notices that you run in all the time you just run into them and it's just because you go to the same places and uh, birds are the same way al there's a Um, listener who uh, on the text just sent me the note to ask you and it says have Al tell us more about the, these thousands of blackbirds that are hanging around now. Yeah, and I, in my yard, I have red-winged blackbirds, common grackles, and brown-headed cowbirds, uh, countless ones. And I've been looking, because last year, right around this time, almost to the day, I had rusty blackbirds come into my yard with this group. And I just love seeing rusty blackbirds, and we don't see many of them anymore. But, yeah, and they are noisy, aren't they? Especially the red-winged blackbirds. They fill a tree, and when I say they fill a tree, they fly in, and the tree is filled with blackbirds. And they sing, and they they talk about things. And uh, the males, I'm seeing, you'll see some females now. The female red wings look like Oh, sort of a big sparrow, kind of a brown, stripy color. And the males are those beautiful black ones with a little red and yellow or white on the wings, and they're going to territory. So some of them drop off here and there, and you'll see them out along the edges of bike trails out in the marshes, and they're all out there singing, Look at me. And they are uh, beautiful birds. I think the red-winged blackbird or perhaps a killdeer are the signs of spring for me. Those two birds, when they show up, I figure, yep, well, it's spring now. And so they're uh, a good share of them will be passing through, and it's like the Greyhound bus. I don't know if anybody ever rode one when they were young. I did. And we stopped at people's houses i'm sure and knocked on their door and asked if they wanted a bus ride because we stopped everywhere let people out people got on in this case the red-winged blackbirds are in this giant 
greyhound bus in the sky, and they're just stomping here, and they let a couple of them off here at the bats, and then they go north of ways to the Petersons, and they let a couple more off there, <laughs> and they just go that way as they head north. And I like having them. I, I just I like red-winged blackbirds. I like that sound. I like seeing this tree that just turned into a blackbird. And thanks for asking. I like hearing from you. Uh, a listener says, what kind of bird is Big Bird? Yeah, he's a, he's a really big one. I'm glad he doesn't come to my bird feeders. Just think what he would do to a bird feeder. He's, I checked my field guides. He's not in there. He's 8.2 feet tall, and he loves bird seed milkshakes. I know that. Uh, Oscar called him an overgrown meadowlark. And when he was on Hollywood Squares, Big Bird, uh, who was the host, Peter Marshall, I think, said, what kind of bird are you? And Big Bird responded saying, I'm a lark. And But Big Bird told Bob Hope that Big Bird's mother was a yellow-breasted, horn-swabble, talking tiki. <laughs> and his father was a yellow-winged, liver-lilied fender bender. And in an interview with the Toronto Star, Big Bird called himself a giant golden condor. And in the book Sesame Street Unpaved, it says Big Bird's scientific name is Biggest Canarius, a big canary. <laughs> and in a celebration of me, Grover, Big Bird said my grandpa was an emu. They can't fly, but they can run. Every fall, grandpa ran south for the winter. In an interview with TV Guide, Big Bird said, I'm not a turkey, I'm a lark. <laughs> in Everyone Makes Music, Big Bird sang Rockin' Robin and remarked, actually, I'm a canary. <laughs> and he made a video, or he or she made a video for Wired, and Big Bird said, I've been told I'm a lark. Oscar says, I'm part homing pigeon but I think I'm a biggest canarius. So uh, I guess if I had to say, uh, if I was on a test, I'd say he's a really big canary, just a really big canary. So. <laughs> With a really long neck. With a really long <laughs> neck. And again, I'm glad he doesn't come to my feeder. He's about the only bird I'm just happy not to see at my feeder because uh, he would, uh, I think, raccoons and bears are destructive at feeders, but I, a <laughs> big, big bird, bird would just... <laughs> He just demolished everything, just not purposely, but just he's eight foot two. Who, who, or who knows how much he weighs? He's a big guy, but we all love Big Bird. He's just a really neat. Um, listener asked, do both sexes of robins sing? You know, the male robin, the American robin, produces this rich and melodious caroling. Some people say it's carol, 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 carol over and over again. Uh, others say cheerily, cheer up, cheer up, cheerily, cheer up. And males and females produce a variety of calls and notes, the most familiar being a spirited that tut, 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 or pick given as an alarm call in response to predators. And they like singing their crepuscular singings, and it, that may correlate with the physiology of its eyes, which are adapted to low-light conditions like dawn and dusk. Does the female sing? Uh, most authorities say no. Some say that occasionally a female would sing. I would think out of all those birds out there, robins, there's got to be a female out there that sings. You just think the chances are pretty good there's a female that just 
came out of the egg and said, you know what, I, I, I can sing, I can do it. And uh, Rob Schneider was probably there and said, you can do it. And uh, <laughs> the female was able to do that. So uh, I guess the, the answer would be it's, it's primarily the males that are doing the singing because they're the ones that want the territories and they want a mate and they're going to tell the world that that's their desire. So they're out there singing. But that, uh, thanks, that's a great question and I appreciate you. Uh, there's a lot of great birds out there that are migrating through, and you wonder why do some birds migrate and others don't. It, migration is more about food <clears throat> than temperature. So <clears throat> birds migrate to find food. They also would migrate to maybe find a welcoming climate because some of them just uh, it doesn't work out for them to be here in the winter. It's not good. In in some cases, to avoid predators, parasites, and diseases, about 75% of our birds migrate. And why wouldn't you migrate? Well, if you have food available here, some can alter their diets seasonally. Uh, you'd stay. You want to save energy? You don't want to burn up all that energy. Lower your carbon footprint. It, you'd stay here. And if you have a really great territory, and you say, this is this is the most perfect territory on Earth, I don't want any other bird getting this, what would you do? You'd stay here to defend the territory. So those would be the three primary reasons that you would not. I suppose another one would be, I forgot. You know, you're just, you're busy, and just one day you say, oh, you know, it's really cold, look at that snow, I should have migrated, I just forgot, so it, it probably happens, and you know what happens to us, so why wouldn't it happen to an occasional bird, but they, I love seeing their company, I say the fox sparrow is one of my favorites, they're just uh, such beautiful, large sparrows, native sparrows. And they will sing on occasion. They do not nest here, but uh, when I was out looking at those raccoon tracks in the snow and listening to the fox sparrow and the song sparrow sing, I don't know that I could have been happier. They just uh, Their beauty is up of their song. It's uplifting, and I just love hearing that. And it gives us all hope of uh, good things to come. Say, Al, I, I got yeah. a couple postcards from our friend John. You know, sometimes I think that he there thinks they should arrive, and a lot of times what happens is they arrive um, after that you and I are on the air. So sometimes then it's a week later that we talk about this stuff. So, John, I can't control the post office. Sorry about that. So I got two postcards in a row, and he said, I, I, pro I should have got a, another postcard from him earlier. Well, I got two in the mail at once. So he talked about his first sighting of two sandhill cranes in his dad's yard, which is in Andover. And a bonus, he said he saw a pheasant across the street from his dad's walking by the street on the same day. And uh, let's see, he's got a new phone, so he's going to try to start it up and figure out how it works so he can take some pictures and maybe get some good <laughs> photos of the sandhill cranes at his, his dad. So, uh, John, thanks for sharing that, and I look forward to when you figure out how that phone works. Yeah, there is uh, something, especially, you know, if you switch phones. A uh, hundred years ago, I went from one kind of phone from an Android to an Apple, and uh, 
that would have been, that was really easy. But I thought if I, I had to go the other way, uh, I'd probably phone. still be trying to figure <laughs> out what in the world to do there. So. You know, Al, I lost my phone a month ago, and I haven't missed it a bit. You lost it? Well, you know, I was working in the yard, and it was on a pile of some stuff I was putting in the car. And, and my husband thinks maybe now that it was on a, I, I maybe had set it on top of the garbage can with a bunch of other stuff. He may have thrown it oh. away, so, oh, well. Oh. If anybody really needs to get me and hasn't, well, we still have a landline. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we still do. So. You know, I, I, thanks, everybody, for listening, boy, and sitting on the front porch with us. I... I you know, I'm remembering a day, life was like it is today, considered by some to be the worst time ever. I was a young boy with brains of mush, furthering my education at a grade school, famed for producing Fulbright, Marshall, Rhodes, uh, Goldwater, and Truman Scholars. And uh, No, wait, uh, that was a different school. Anyway, I was there, and I was instructed what to do in case of an atomic bomb attack and I was supposed to put my head under my desk, duck and cover, because apparently those desks were indestructible. And my melon found the company of petrified chewing gum comforting there. And I thought the best defense against the bomb was to be in bed when it went off. The bomb was scarier than the legendary boogeyman or the brigades of hobgoblins and banshees. No one I knew, including me, had ever seen a boogeyman, hobgoblin, or banshee, but I had seen the bomb. We were regularly shown an heirloom film strip about the bomb. The film strip had been passed down from generation to generation, and it invariably burned in two while it was showing, and another splice was added to the numerous fixes already in place, making it possible for the film to pass through the film projector. The film strip was poorly done with monotone voices droning on about the effects of the bomb in a matter-of-fact way, and the graphs adding a stutter. Even with those weaknesses, it was the most terrifying film I'd ever seen. I saw the flick so many times even after seeing it so often it shocked me each time the mushroom cloud appeared on my classroom screen one day as the image of the mushroom cloud was on that screen that screen decided all on its own to roll itself back up in its metal case whoosh flap 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 It scared us poor, innocent children out of three years of life. Frantic hands were raised to request urgent visits to the lavatories. I never, I hope nobody gets as scared, that scared ever. That's what's so nice, going out and listening to the sparrows. It's not scary at all. Thank you all for listening to me. I appreciate you. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always for your wonderful, wonderful company. And and once again, thanks, everybody. It's great hearing from you. You have wonderful stories. Thank you, Al. We'll talk to you next week. Happy bird watching. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.